We're now at the door of Holy Week and we've come into the desert, up to the mountain, down to the water, and into the light. If you've been paying attention to our Lenten Sunday readings, surely you've noticed all the baptismal themes. We weren't in the desert very long this year, but still, that is always a little death. Baptism. The desert is also an opportunity to get rid of all distractions so that we can hear the voice of God. That's also what we do as we prepare for baptism. But when we get rid of all the distractions, we also hear the voice of temptation. That's baptism, a death to sin. In the desert, Jesus is triumphant over temptation. In baptism, we die to sin. We are cleansed of original sin. On the other side of the baptismal font, we find our mountaintop experience, where we can experience Jesus transfigured. But the temptation of the mountain is that we want to stay there, and we shouldn't. The mountaintop is not heaven. It's a place to recharge our batteries so that we can get back down and do the work. On the mountaintop, when we have a personal experience with Christ, we also realize our sin, like the Samaritan woman at the well or the blind man. We realize how much we are in darkness and how we need Jesus. But we still have a choice because when we realize our sinfulness, it's not easy and it's sometimes easier to go back into the darkness. Being in the light hurts our eyes. And the closer we get to Jesus, the more the world will attack us, as they did with the blind man of the gospel two weeks ago. And many do choose to retreat back into the darkness. We all know people like that. They appear to be alive, but on the inside they are dead. But when we choose the light, we choose life. That's what the story of Lazarus shows us. Baptism, from death to new life. That's our Lenten journey, and it's also our Holy Week journey. I'll see you on the other side. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. A special thanks to the Institute of Pastoral Studies at Loyola University who are co-sponsoring this week's program. You can learn more at luc.edu slash IPS. There's lots coming up, but first, a winner, Anne Schenk. And you've won a copy of Chris Bray's live worship album, The Praises of His People, that we featured last week. If you haven't yet done so, please contact us so we can get you your prize. And for the rest of you, remember that we give away prizes every week. So entering our weekly draw is very easy. Just go to saltandlighttv.org radio and sign up where it says stay connected for a chance to win weekly prizes. All we need is your name and email address. If you prefer to visit us on Facebook, comment on any of our posts and that will enter you into our weekly draw. And I want to tell you that in the last week, we've received several emails and one phone call from Salt and Light Hour and Salt and Light Radio listeners. In fact, one of the emails we received was from Russia. And these people are writing because they're asking about specific artists that we feature on the program. And I want to tell all of you that you can always contact us and ask whatever you want to ask. It's really easy to reach me directly via Facebook or Twitter. Just look for Deacon Pedro or call me here at Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation in Toronto. Today we continue with our usual show format. Stefan Slovak will be here with our news. And of course, Andrew will be here with a Lenten Saint of the Week and Jillian 
will tell us what she learned from her kids this month. And this year, it's all about marriage and family as we prepare for the World Meeting of Families in Philadelphia in September and the Synod on the Family in October. But it's also the year for consecrated life. And so today we're going to learn about an ancient, perhaps the most ancient vocation in the church, the consecrated virginity. That's in our second half hour. And after that, we'll be meeting a new singer-songwriter, Mikey Needleman. He calls his music singable, danceable pop rock. Mikey has a new album, Your Ways. So why don't we take a listen? Let's start with Gathered in Your Name from Mikey Needleman's new album, Your Ways.
That was Mikey Needleman with Gathered in Your Name from his new album, Your Ways. And we're going to be speaking with Mikey Needleman in our second half hour. And in about 10 minutes, what I learned from my kids. But first, Stefan is here with our news reports that there was a miracle with Pope Francis in Naples. Well, maybe half a miracle. (laughs) Half a miracle. Uh, The Holy Father spent uh, last Saturday in uh, the Campania region, southern Italy, visiting the cities of Pompeii and Naples. Uh, During his visit in Naples, uh, he visited the Cathedral uh, of St. Januarius Mm -hmm. to meet with the clergy and religious of the archdiocese. Mm -hmm. Uh, Two sort of momentous things happened there. Uh, first of all, uh, he was attacked by nuns. Yes. <laughs> yes, the mob. He was mobbed. Uh, the, the archbishop the, of the diocese, uh, Cardinal Seppe, uh, he had given uh, dispensation for cloistered nuns to come to this audience mm-hmm. with the Holy Father, uh, completely breaking with protocol. They jumped up That's and great. literally mobbed him, handing him a gigantic mystery package, which... Uh, his his personal detail would look to be quite terrified over, but uh, at the end of the day, after sort of uh, politely uh, reining them in, they they backed off. That's, so that's very funny. Um, we also had half a miracle. Yes. Um, the blood of Saint Januarius, who lived in the third century, mm-hmm. uh, is kept as a relic there mm-hmm. at the church, uh, the cathedral, I should say. And uh, every year around this time, it's supposed to liquefy. Mm-hmm calling it a divine miracle yes. uh it half liquefied yes so francis said well maybe that's the saint saying we're halfway there yeah we're halfway there that's good no he was good very quick response absolutely there. yeah interesting um and in the rest of the trip the pope fo- the pope really focused on corruption corruption okay. was uh it's a problem in that part of italy and he really just sort of you know his focus was talking to parents to youth saying to not allow a generation to fall way to corruption to mm-hmm. organized crime to the drug trade to criminality mhm and in the meantime back in the vatican we're busy in the Vatican, yes. Uh, the papal almoner, who at one point was not particularly busy, but is uh, under the Francis pontificate incredibly busy. So who is this guy? The papal almoner, mm-hmm. uh, um, Archbishop Krajewski, who is Polish, yes. his job is to take care of the charitable works of the Holy right. Father. So alms, almoner. Um, yes, has nothing to do with almonds, but no, alms. No, no almonds. Yes. Um, yes. So his latest initiative, uh, following free haircuts and showers at the Vatican, yes is to uh, take the homeless of Rome on a tour of the Sistine Chapel, the Vatican Museums, and the Vatican Gardens. Uh, he, he made the case that the treasures of the Vatican are not just for um, tourists yeah, and visitors. of course. They are for all. Because up to this point, generally the poor and the homeless would only see the colonnade and the steps yes. outside. So this is a great opportunity to share the treasures of the church with mm-hmm. those people so they'll get the tour of the visit uh, all to themselves uh, and then they'll get uh, a nice meal at the end of it. Yes, in the that's cafeteria. great. And you know what? I heard a, an archbishop um, whom you and I both know well once say that that if we all have a right to beauty and that in many in many cases the poor people, I mean, we can go to museums, but the poor people can only see beauty if they go into a church. That's why churches need to be beautiful. So this is taking it one step further and inviting them so they can actually see the treasures of the church. That That's, that's, that's wonderful. Um, maybe not so wonderful news that are coming out of... Pakistan again. Yes, the Christian community uh, still under siege there. Uh, this week we had an incident where uh, we had two police officers outside of uh, St. Peter's Parish in Lahore, which is the center of the Christian community mm-hmm. in the south of Pakistan. Uh, 
there were two masked gunmen who drove by and on a bike and started shooting at the police officers guarding the church. So right. police officers are okay. Two bystanders were injured. Uh, thankfully, no deaths. But uh, leaders in the Christian community, activists, are really calling on the government uh, to crack down on these things, to not allow these kind of vigilante acts to take place uh, right. and really deter people from trying uh, to trying to go after the Christians in Pakistan. So protection is being offered, but clearly it's not enough. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. How sad is that? Now, here in Ontario, we're having a little bit of a scuffle too. Yes, not quite uh, as religious violent, persecution in but a way. In, in a way it is religious persecution. Um, recently, the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Ontario mm-hmm. uh, unanimously passed uh, a resolution that would prevent doctors in the province uh, from invoking their uh, their religious beliefs, mm-hmm. uh, their conscience, or their morality uh, in not uh, involving themselves in certain procedures, mm-hmm. handing out medications, referrals, things like that. Right. Um, so there's obviously doctors who, uh, a lot of Catholic doctors, a lot of Christian doctors, and people of other yep. faiths and denominations who would be concerned by this. Yes. They don't want to have to do things that they believe are immoral as doctors. Right. So uh, this week, they have uh, decided that they're going to take the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Ontario uh, to court, and they're going to try and get an injunction against them so that they can continue to practice medicine mm-hmm. in a way that they see faithful. Uh, it's particularly touchy these days, given that assisted suicide... Has just been... Yes, has been allowed by the Supreme Court. So technically speaking, in addition to things like abortion, contraception, doctors would technically be required to give referrals for assisted suicide. suicide. Interesting. Anyway, I'm sure we'll hear more and more of that story, as we often do with many stories. Thank you, Stefan, for that update. You can watch Stefan Slovak and get the latest updates uh, Mondays to Thursdays on Perspectives on Salt and Light Television, online at saltandlighttv.org, and also now on our Roku channel Find out more at saltandlighttv.org slash Roku. Hi, I'm Emma Fred, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can find Salt and Light Radio on Facebook, facebook.com slash slradio1. And you can also find me on Facebook. Just look for Deacon Pedro and follow me on Twitter at Deacon Pedro GM. And now it's time for... Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos. Deacon Andrew, Pedro? How you doing? Very ready good, for, thank you. Ready, ready for Holy Week? Yeah, I Don't ask me where the time went. It's, it's unbelievable. I know, it was a quick Lent, yes. How was your St. Patrick's Day celebration? Oh, uh, I was in my was parish. I was in my parish doing a catechetical session on the Old Testament, so it wasn't very St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> um, All right, sounds good. So who are we doing today? Who's our you saint? You know what? As funny you ask that, because as we journey into the whole um, notion of Holy Week, I think it's important that we take a step back and we really reflect on the characters yeah. behind the Passion story. Okay. So as you know, um, the um, Triduum doesn't start until later on in Holy Week, but it first begins with uh, Passion Sunday. Mm-hmm. It first begins with Jesus' triumph and entry into Jerusalem. So um, I just want to kind of challenge um, you as well as our listeners to kind of look out for some key players in the in the in the Holy Week story, mm-hmm. so the first one that I want to look to um, really is Simon of Cyrene. Right. So not many people know about who uh, Simon is. We know that he was the crossbearer of Christ. Yeah. Uh, he was the one that was chosen to you know really um, come to the aid of Jesus uh, in his time of need and to really carry that cross. Well, we know about Simon. Um, 
Uh, not much, really. We know that his children uh, named Rufus and Alexander were missionaries. So um, I kind of challenge you know, our listeners to really look out for um, Simon, to really pray, step back, and reflect on who Simon was and the work that he did. It was something very simple. Mm-hmm. Yes, he carried the cross for Jesus. Um, but, you know, he had a huge part to play in that. Um, are we, in our life, you know, ready to um, pick up the cross and walk with Jesus? So um, that's just one person that I want to challenge um, you to look for is Simon. You know, how can Simon relate to our life today? Mm-hmm. Even though he was there 2,000 years ago, how can we pick up our cross and, and move forward? Okay. Um, I want to jump to Easter. Mary Magdalene. Okay. What do we know about Mary Magdalene? She was the first witness, okay? And we, we hear about her um, specifically uh, in the Gospel of John. Uh, she came across the empty tomb, and what did she do? She ran. She went to tell Peter, who comes and sees the tomb for himself. So what can we learn from Mary Magdalene? Um, there's a few things that we can. Uh, Pope St. Gregory the Great um, referenced Mary Magdalene in one of his speeches. He said that um, burning with the fire of love, she longed for him, who she thought had been taken away. So what can we relate um, to Mary Magdalene's story? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all of us are looking for God. We're waiting for Him. We long for that relationship with Christ. So just like how she was longing and waiting and crying outside that tomb, um, you know, hopefully we will all share that yearning that she did right. all those years ago. Absolutely. Let's look to St. Peter. Mm-hmm. St. Peter in the empty tomb. Um, you know, it was such a joyous um, thing for them to know that, you know, Christ was no longer there. He had gone. He had risen. So how can we today and age be um, joy-filled? How can we be amazed at the resurrection? Yes, the resurrection was 2,000 years ago, but how does that relate to our life? How can we be overjoyed um, about um, Jesus' resurrection? Mm-hmm. Let's look at um, St. Paul. Okay. St. Paul on the road to Damascus. Um, we know that St. Paul did not witness the empty tomb. No. Um, but, you know, with Paul's story, um, Christ's appearance to Paul on the road to Damascus in Syria is important because it, um, it kind of undermines skeptic claims that um, the resurrection was um, the overactive imagination of Jesus' followers. Right. So um, St. Paul goes on to write about the centrality of the resurrection in the faith. And if you look at Corinthians, he says, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is pointless, and you have not, after all, been released from your sins. Mm-hmm. In addition, those who have fallen asleep in Christ are utterly lost. And if our hope in Christ has been for this life only, we are of all people the most pitiable. Mm-hmm. So um, you know better than I do. Christianity, our Catholic faith would not exist without the resurrection. So hopefully we can take St. Paul's words um, in Corinthians um, to heart when we think about the resurrection and the importance of our faith in our everyday life. Mm -hmm. The replacement apostle, St. Matthias. Matthias. So he replaced Judas after Judas did that horrendous um, betray Jesus. And he sold Jesus out for, what, a few coins? And, you know, St. Matthias came on the scene, and, you know, um, uh, he represents, you know, I guess, the brightening of the darkness. He was a bright, shining light after Judas kind of did what he did. So um, he really is a source of hope. He is a source of inspiration and joy to all of us. Mm -hmm. So um, just like St. Matthias, 
who ended up being a witness to um, uh, the faith, a witness to the resurrection. How can we be like him? Very and then good. let's yep. go to the upper room. Yeah. Thomas. Yeah. Doubting Thomas. Um, in all the gospel accounts, uh, according to the let's let's use John for example. Um, Thomas said, you know, unless I see those holes, um, unless I see those nails that pierced your hands, unless I can take my hand and physically put it in your side, I won't believe. So, um, you know, what happened in the end was that Thomas, in the presence of Jesus in that upper room, with all of those who were afraid, what did he say? He said, my Lord and my God. God. He recognized Jesus uh, right there. Um, So hopefully, you know, throughout this week, uh, throughout Holy Week, even into the celebration of the Triduum, and moving forward, maybe we will say, my Lord and my God. Maybe we will have that epiphany moment and recognize God through um, the sacredness of this uh, special time of year. Absolutely. Okay, good. So we got some Holy Week, Holy Saturday, and Easter Saints. Simon's... Just some people to kind of pay attention to and look for, because they all play a huge role uh, yes, in the Easter in the story. story. Hey, there's no book out there uh, that has a better story than what we do. Yes. So Simon of Cyrene, Mary Magdalene, St. Peter, St. Paul, St. Matthias, and St. Thomas. Thank you very much, Andrew. Andrew Santos uh, is the youth minister at St. Justin Martyr Parish in Unionville, Ontario, and he is our saint expert. Hey, this is Chris Bray, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. Salt and Light is now on Roku in Canada, the U.S., the U.K., and Ireland. Find out more at saltandlighttv.org slash Roku. And now it's time for... What I Learned from My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, I think this is Happy New Year. Yes, in March. Let's say Happy New Year. Happy New Year in March. Happy Holy Week. Happy beginning of Holy Week. (laughs) So many things going on right now. What did you learn from your kids this this? semester (laughs) (laughs) well um as we near the end of the winter season i know it's already spring but it still feels a bit like winter my kids are teaching me to stop lying on the ice (laughs) okay explanation (laughs) so um as good canadians we have put our boys in skating lessons Mm -hmm. as bad canadians david and i must admit that we ourselves do not know how to skate so in order for our children to learn we have to put them in lessons Right. And I'm hoping that as I watch them learn, that I, too, will be learning, and I'll just be able to figure it out. Um, so we have the boys in skating lessons, and th- these children are not known for their willingness to try new things. They don't like stepping out of their comfort zone. Um, and so in order to encourage them, we emphasized it's going to be so much fun, and the best thing you can do if you fall down is just get back up again. That will be so amazing if you can just do that, fall right. down and just get back up. So we were really trying to pump it up. Um, so that they would just would keep at it. I, the worst thing I thought of was that they could just they would just give up. They would cry. The poor coach would just not know what to do with these kids who were just miserable because they didn't want to try anything new. So, anyway, in this particular rink, um, you take your kids to the ice surface, and then you, as a parent, are invited to go upstairs, and they have this viewing area that overlooks the ice surface. It's nicely set up with couches, so you can just sit there and watch your children soar on the ice. So I had gone to a first, the first couple of their lessons, and then my husband t- took them to some lessons. And so just this past week, I returned to take them. So I hadn't seen their progress in a while, so I was excited to see how much they were learning and how they were skating. So up from my perch above, I'm looking down, and I see, oh, Joseph's doing really well, and oh, there's Henry. And literally, both his body and his progress 
or at a standstill. He's not moving. He's just standing there. And, and it's, I'm watching and seeing what the coach will do and seeing what the other kids are doing. And they're all, I wouldn't say zipping past him, but they are in their sidestep kind of way that kids, when they learn to skate, mm-hmm. they're all stepping past him and he's just staying there and they're doing widths. They're going back and forth and he's just standing there. <laughs> and it's rather painful to watch. I'm like, what's he doing? What's he going to do? Is he going to move? And then he falls down and he tries to get up a couple times and I can see the coach being really patient and he's trying to encourage him. But for the most part, Henry remains there in that one spot, either standing up or on his bum, sitting down on the ice. Hmm. And he, from his take, when the class is over, he's telling me very proudly, I hardly even fell. Well, that's because he fell one time and he just stayed down on the ice. So I'm watching this, and it's incredibly painful. Like, I can't, there's nothing I can do. He can't hear me. I can't tell him. I can't, I can't make him do anything from where I'm sitting. And I'm just forced to watch, willing him, silently begging him, just get up, get up and try. Please do something. And then as I'm, as I'm watching this, and this is all taking place, and I'm also thinking about the radio show, <laughs> and I'm thinking, if this is what it's like for God to watch me in my immobility and my indecision this is painful and i am very sorry i will never do that again like i need to stop lying on the ice i need to get up i need to make decisions i need to move forward i can't just sit there so poor god that he has to sit there and watch his children be so indecisive and um just we just sometimes just don't even try no matter whatever it is in our daily life or if it's a decision we can't make or if it's a problem that we're having, all he wants us to do is try. And he's, he's willing us. He can't make us to do it, make us do anything. But that is his will for us, that we would at least try, that we would move forward, that we would make those steps, that we would accept mentorship, and that we would learn to do new things. And so I resolve, I will not lie down on that ice anymore because it is <laughs> painful for God to watch his children just lie there. So... That's what I've learned. <laughs> what a what a great anal- what a great analogy. I mean that 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 is that is a great lesson for 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 sure. Not just to teach us not to be afraid. We, sometimes we don't move because we're afraid, but sometimes we don't move because we actually think that we're doing something. Like like Henry, who thought he's like yeah. I, I'm I'm succeeding. I'm not falling. Uh, I hardly even fell down. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe uh, that's the, a good opportunity to. Uh, that's why. Uh, can I just say that that's why we the church gives us seasons like Lent, so we can renew, refocus, refocus that relationship. How am I doing? <laughs> um, how am I doing on the ice? Thank you. <laughs> Just keep moving forward. Keep Even moving forward. if you don't know forward. how to skate, do something. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, Jillian. That, that's a great lesson today. Well, thank you. Jillian Cantor is the producer of the Salt and Light TV program Mothering Full of Grace, and she's the wife of David and the mother of Joseph, Henry, Annie, and Clara. Coming up in our second half hour, A Life of Permanent Consecrated Virginity, and we meet singer-songwriter Mikey Needleman. So don't go anywhere. Change yourself and the world around you with a graduate degree from Loyola's Institute of Pastoral Studies. 
Loyola's degree programs will give you the skills you need to serve others in the information age. Our brand new digital communication concentration combines Loyola's Jesuit values with the skills to use social media and other digital platforms for outreach and evangelization. To learn more about Loyola's graduate programs and other courses we offer, head to luc.edu slash IPS. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Pope Francis has declared this year, 2015, to be the year for consecrated life. And very specifically, that is for people who belong to religious communities, so nuns, monks, brothers, sisters, and priests who belong to religious congregations. But it also includes people who are living a consecrated life of permanent virginity. What is that, you say? Well, here's an excerpt of a conversation that I had with Mary Bastido about this most ancient vocation in the Church. The right of consecration to a life of permanent virginity. Yes. <laughs> a life of virginity. Yes. Okay. And it's assumed well, that it's, it's permanent. permanent. Yes. Okay. So you had been renewing for a year. You spoke to Bishop Sherlock in London, and he said, you can do this as a permanent. This is something that exists in the church. Exactly. And it's interesting because it's an ancient rite that was very popular in the early days. Well, is it the most ancient form of religious life? I think so. Well, it was very popular in the fourth century, uh -huh. and you'll read some of the bishops talking about the consecrated virgins. Yes. I mean, and I sense it's this impulse from the time of Jesus. Yes. I mean, look at Mary Magdalene, for example. Mm -hmm. Just that impulse to follow Jesus with her whole yeah. life and give her all. I mean, that's at the heart of it. Absolutely. So, but the right fell into disuse as religious orders as, grew exactly. up. Because I guess practically, it, it wasn't practical for women to be alone as unmarried well, in, 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 that, in that society, I guess, in that well, world. And so the bishops yes. decided. So that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> and, but then the bishops decided again exactly. in the Second Vatican Council exactly. to Which restore it. Which was very it. interesting. 1970, yes. they sort of dusted it off and renewed it and made it available again for women living yes. in the world. So right. that's the other little subtext. Women living in the world. So it's 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 a celibate life. It's consecrated by the church. Yes. But it's not living in a religious community. That's right. So you're not a religious sister. That's right. You are and I don't have any sign except for this ring, the ring of consecration. Okay. So we don't wear a veil or a habit or anything like and that. And you don't profess vows. No, the wording of it is slightly different, like we are consecrated. So, but there's a whole intentionality about it, like it, it's like, are you resolved to follow Christ with your whole mm -hmm. heart, and are you resolved to receive solemn consecration as a bride of Christ? So the language is very much... It is interesting, because you think that, that yeah, you, that there is a vow of celibacy if it's you're committing to permanent... But it's, it's just slightly different, different than religious life in the nuance mm -hmm. of it. Right. Um, so then you just say yes. Yes. <laughs> and then the bishop lays his hands on you. It's actually more like an ordination in the, the way the rite Interesting. evolves. And it's not like with religious vows that you do temporary vows and then permanent no, vows. So it's like you have the right and that's it. Yeah. So I think, you know, the, the time that I had personally to grow into the vocation was really important. Mm -hmm. It's not something you want to jump into. No. Because it is permanent. Whereas at the beginning it was kind of God saying, yes, this is what mm -hmm. I want. 
the response finally was, yes, this is what I want to. Yeah, so again, that's surrendering yeah, to, to and, who you really are. Yeah, and it is kind of the shape of my heart, yeah. and it's my deepest desire to belong totally to the Lord. Yes. And it's um, a leap of faith, and I would say it's the church that's inviting me to believe. It's a church that's calling me to be the bride of Christ. Mm -hmm. That's not something I would ever assume no. on my own. I'm like, really? The bride of Christ, you know, but it's a, it's this invitation to trust, have the courage to trust it. Yeah, and the fact that it's the church that's called, so it's an ecclesial yeah. vocation, yeah. it's not Very you personally so. saying, I want to consecrate myself to Jesus Christ and, and do it privately, yeah. it's very which, public. Yeah, which you can do, but this yes. is very public. It was a very big event in uh, the parish in Stratford. Yeah. And, and how different, and again, maybe this is not a fair question, but how different is that than, than joining a religious community? In essence, aren't they also being called to be brides of Christ? I think so. Although, you know what, not every religious sister feels that way. Like, mm -hmm. I, I know that because okay. people have told me that. Yes. Like, the vocabulary, is the sort of the spirituality of yeah. it. And there's certainly the community life aspect that you didn't feel yeah. called to join. Yeah. Definitely, you didn't feel called to join a contemplative yeah. order. But so, I came back to Toronto, this, this archdiocese, yes. in 93. And so, at the time, Bishop Clune talked to me, and he knew I was a consecrated virgin, and mm -hmm. he said, would you help me just in talking to women if they're yes. interested? Yes. I, he said, they don't want to talk to me. They want to talk to someone of who's course. living it. So since then, I've been uh, accompanying and helping women mm -hmm. to discern in this diocese. Would you call that, that is, would you call it formation? Yeah. Uh, formation slash Dis discernment. discernment. Um, so obviously there were other women who were feeling the same tug in wherever they were, however, what a state of life they were in, feeling that same tug and approaching the church because yeah. the bishop knew. Uh, there are a few. Yes, okay. And, and you know what? It's never going to be a lot of people. Okay. Uh, but I think it's like there's a real value of being a sign. Mm -hmm. uh, and people can consecrate their lives to God in so many different ways. Uh -huh. And we're not saying this is better or anything, mm -hmm. but it's just this one sign that's really held by the church and valued by the church. But I think it's important that uh, it's this witness of the eschatology. Eschatology, yes, yes, yes that's a big um, word that means, th th you mean, so, okay, so you mean that it's a sign to that marriage, that nuptial union that we're all called to in heaven, in heaven with Jesus Christ. We're all called to that. You're a sign in this life to that life that we're all, to that union that we're all called to. Yeah. Is that what you mean? It, it is, and I think, um, you know, I think marriage and celibacy are really mutually complementary. Yes. So I think it helps married people to see celibate people, mm -hmm. and, and vice versa. Like, married people inspire me, and hopefully I can be an inspiration to you. That, like, your wife isn't everything to you. There's more, like, your heart is given to God. Mm -hmm. It's not just the relationship with your spouse, you know what I mean? There's yes, that. I do. And, do you, and, and you don't feel that you're giving something up. I mean, you said that your heart is shaped. Well, I am giving something up, but <laughs> it's still my deepest desire. Yes. But there's a sacrifice in it mm -hmm. as well. But the same with you. It you're not, you marry one life. woman, you can't marry all the rest. Yes. You know, so there's an element of I can't. S sacrifice <laughs> to that, Pedro. <laughs> anyway, um, but I, th I think especially today when our culture 
is so suspect. Mm -hmm. It doesn't trust celibacy. Yes. yes. You know, and if you're a priest, for example, it kind of comes with the package. Yes. It's, and uh, even in religious life, it's poverty, chastity, and obedience. Yes. But with this particular vocation, it's just about chastity. Yes. So it, it's a witness that God really is giving that gift mm -hmm. to the church today. Right. And the fact that you're living in the world um, they because might they have, can work. They, that's right. Yeah. They have a different mission. Yes. So the work, uh, the, the, the help or the guidance that you give some of the other women or the women who are discerning, uh, you're just helping them through the journey, helping them discern what... Mm -hmm. I, guess, I guess the real question is if, if there was someone watching right now Yes. Who's thinking? Oh, I didn't know this existed. Yeah. This is this is what I. Yeah. This is where my heart is shaped. What advice would you give so, them? So I work with Bishop Boissonneau. Okay, He's in the Archdiocese of, of Toronto. Toronto. Yes. So he'd be the one to contact, and you would so meet him. So they would him. contact the bishop directly. Yeah, and then after you meet him, then he would say, "I think this is a suitable candidate. So would you walk with this person for a year or two? Okay. That would be typical. So a year or two would be typical discernment. Yes. And then and formation. There's things to read and, and then reflect what on. Happened? And, and then, then you would be consecrated after two years. Uh, oh, there's not, okay. No, it's not yes. written in stone. It's just when the time is right. Yes. Yeah. And so that has happened. There's you know there's six or eight people that I've been walking with. In this, uh, in the Archdiocese yeah. of Toronto, and there's six or eight group. people. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I say six or eight. Some of them left. <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah. And. And how many are consecrated in the Archdiocese of Toronto right now? Yeah, it's about 10 or so. Like, oh, there's really? a few that I haven't met, but their names are on the list. Yes. And now, just to go back to being a sign, are some of, is it different for everyone? Are some of them sort of like undercover? I mean, they're not publicly... That's right. It's quite hidden. It is hidden. Yeah. That's why you don't know so, about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we're doing this program. Yeah. How, so then how is it a sign? I, get, I mean, I, I know what you mean yeah, by it being a yeah. sign, but in terms of it being a, a, a physical witness to the world, that, that might not be the case, depending on yeah. your, your, so your situation. I think people that know me, I think I'm a sign on a more yes. informal level. But you're asking good questions. Like that, it's kind of a, I, I'm not sure, it, it is a bit of a paradox there. Mm -hmm. And I think it is new and we're growing into it. Right, <clears throat> right, okay. Maybe this is a good place to end. Good questions, not always answers, but I guess that's part of our, our journey as we, as we get closer to, to Christ, which is, which is the journey that we're all on. Um, and you're, you're a sign <laughs> of the journey that we need to get, get, okay. get on board. Is Thanks, that fair Pedro. to say? Yeah, it's Thank, been good to talk about it. Thank you, Mary, for your witness. Mm. You're welcome. That was a conversation I had with Mary Bastido, who is living her vocation as a consecrated virgin. You can watch my full conversation with Mary Bastido online at saltandlighttv.org or also on our Roku channel. If you're interested in learning more about this vocation, you should contact your local diocesan office. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Mikey Needleman, with We Give Them Back to You from his new album, Your Ways. All our hopes, all our fears, all our joys, all our tears. All the trials, the 
Mikey Needleman with We Give Them Back to You from his new album, Your Ways. Mikey Needleman has been performing for many, many, many years, but the Mikey Needleman Band has been performing since 2006, and they do it all. Pubs, arenas, churches, wedding receptions, TV, radio. And the band with Mikey have a new album, Your Ways. And to tell us more, I am now joined by Mikey Needleman. Mikey, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Hey, thank you for having me. So I always ask, always start off, uh, off by asking the same question. Uh, tell me a, b- a b- bit about you. Tell me what it was like to grow up in the Needleman household. 
Oh, great. Thank you for asking that question. Uh, it was great. I, uh, I was born and raised in uh, Overland Park, Kansas, which is just south of Kansas City, Kansas, and yeah. uh, very Catholic family. I have uh, two sisters, and um, and yeah, we uh, we grew up very uh, very fortunate to have two loving parents that uh, that raised us very well in the faith, and um, went through Catholic schools my pretty much my whole life until college, and kind of really discovered my own personal faith uh, toward towards later years of my high school, and uh, at the same time, I was kind of learning how to play different instruments, different styles of music and whatnot, right. and the, the two kind of merged together. So was it was it a musical household? You know, my dad uh, played music, and he kind of introduced me uh, to that. My older sister was a singer. Uh, my mother and my younger sister really weren't into music, but uh-huh. it kind of worked out because we needed people to listen, so that kind of worked. <laughs> That's very good. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Of course, you need you need an audience. Um, yeah. Did you play with your dad at all? Yeah, all the time. You know, it's funny. We were really into baseball, but when the weather was either cold or um, or rainy, we couldn't go out and play catch. We would we would have little jam sessions. You know, right. I'd, I'd, I'd say, "Hey, Dad, let, you know, let's play some let's play some music," and we'd always play blues because that was kind of the easiest of course. kind of thing for yeah. us both to jam together with. But yeah. Um, but yeah, we, my dad and I, we used to collaborate all the time on different projects. So right. very, very lucky that yeah. I had that opportunity. It sounds like it. So when you were growing up and you were learning all these instruments, is that how, what was, what was happening in your faith life? Cause I presume you were probably a regular teenager, but at some point you said that something kind of started gelling together in terms of your faith, you finding your faith. Tell me about that. Yeah, I think, I think you're absolutely right. I, I was just a regular teenager, you know, even though I was in Catholic schools, I was, you know, I was still struggling with a lot of the same things that teenagers struggle with. And uh, um, one of the things was, uh, you know, when I was playing music, I just felt, you know, I was very happy. I was very ADD growing up, but if you yeah. put a guitar in my hands, I could spend hours playing guitar. So, yeah. um, you know, I played a lot of music, and then, you know, I was approached by a youth minister who said, hey, you know, if you play guitar, would you want to play guitar in the church group at mm-hmm. a neighboring parish? And, um, you know, I said, I said, yeah, that sounds cool. And then I basically, you know, that was my that was my very beginning of, of my faith journey with music because yeah. I realized how much I really enjoyed playing worship and how, how, how I guess I was inclined to do it. Mm-hmm. And over the next few years of high school and college, I really realized that I was happier when I was playing worship and I was bringing other people into the faith and, and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I, they, they kind of went hand in hand, but it was really because of that invitation right. to start playing at a church service, at a Mass. Yeah, which is a really good lesson for youth ministers, priests, deacons, all of us in the church to invite, invite those young mm-hmm. people to come. Um, when, did you think that you were going to go and pursue music as a career? or did that come I think after? so, yeah. yeah. I think uh, when I was going into college, I kind of knew that I wanted to do music. Um, there was a part of me that was like, well, I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll be... On the radio, I'll be, you know, that kind of music. I'll be rock and roll, like famous, whatever, you know? Right. Um, but then, you know, after a while, I realized that the more I played worship, the more I met people who were into worship. And the most talented people I met were, were you know, Christian, you know, musicians. And so it, it just really opened my eyes. One day, something just kind of clicked. And I said, you know, it, it isn't about being famous. It isn't about being, you know, rich. It isn't about being on MTV. It's about, like... I was given this gift, and it makes me happy. So yeah, why fight it? Of course. Now, so why? I don't know if this is a fair question, but why? <laughs> why do you do what you do? What's behind it? Like, what's your mission? That, that's a great question, <laughs> and there's there's a million different answers. Um, you know, I think the most practical answer is 
I'm putting food on the table <laughs> for my yeah, family of course. and for my kids, you know, playing music. And what a blessing that is that I get to, you know, consider myself a professional full-time musician. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the deeper question is, is, you know, that's what I was created for. I was created, you know, to, uh, to use music um, as a medium of worship, mm-hmm. to evangelize, to, you know, really celebrate life. And as, as, you know, as you mentioned, you know, I play, you know, different secular events. I do all kinds of all kinds of music, but really when it comes back to it, there's a there's a yearning in people's soul to celebrate. And I think, you know, the reason that music is such a great medium is we know that the angels are, are singing in heaven, and so we know that music is on in heaven and on earth. Right. So we were created for music. We are created to have music around us. So I think whenever we can, you know, harness that medium and bring people into celebration of life, like, that, that, just, that just builds me up so much. So... so- yeah, that's that's a great question. Never do been asked that do you mean sorry? Do you mean then that we are everyone is created for music, not just you specifically? The way God has created you for your your His plan for you. I think I think everybody. You know, if you were to ask anybody, do you like music? I think their answer would be yes. Yeah, they might not all like the same music, mm-hmm. but I think everybody likes music, and I and I really do feel like it's because, like I said, in in heaven we know through yeah. scripture the angels are singing. Yeah. They never say the angels are dancing. They never say the angels are painting pictures. Yeah, that's true. The angels are singing. Yes. So I think, to answer your question, absolutely. I yeah. think that there's something in us mm-hmm. that loves music. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I think I agree with you. So tell me about this new album. How, how is it different from other, other music you've uh, put out there in the past? It's, um, it's very liturgical, which mm-hmm. is great. I think what I kind of wanted to do, and I think what World Library Publications um, agreed with me on, was... We wanted to write something that we could hand to a, you know, music minister, choir director, and say, you know, this is, this is almost an entire mass right here. Yeah, you've got your your gathering songs, you've got a psalm on there, you've got mm-hmm. an Easter sequence, you've got offertory, you've got recessional. Um, it's almost like it's an entire mass. It's not quite, you know, it doesn't have all the, all the mass, mass parts, parts yeah. and and uh, everything. But um, hopefully the next the next CD we do, we'll, we'll kind of complement this one in that respect, but um, I think that's kind of the, the difference between this and just a collection of songs, is that as you listen to it, it's almost like you're you're actually listening through the Mass. And so that's, it, that's different in that you had never done what you would call a liturgical album in that sense before. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I've done a praise and worship album before, um, just songs that, you know, in my heart were just pouring out for praise and worship, but this one was very um, designed specifically um, for yeah for mass for 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 music ministers and for congregations. Yeah, and and I mean I I know because even when I first saw the title, I mean gathered in your name, I thought oh it's a great great gathering song, and then we give them back to you, great offertory song, yes. and then at the end of the program we're going to listen to Let Us Go, which again is great sending forth. Um, so absolutely, this is a, a great album for uh, for mass. Um, you describe on your website the and I mentioned it at the beginning that it's singable danceable pop rock music yeah. it doesn't say it's liturgical so how do you see kind of where do you see those two coming together well you know like kind of like I said with um, with the amount of different styles of, of venues we play um, we play churches we play youth rallies we play all that stuff we also play uh, wedding receptions we play uh, corporate events. Yeah. Um, so, really, when it comes to the website, that's um, that's kind of a way to draw people in. Right. Um, I see. But I think that even if you weren't, 
you know, if you weren't Christian and you started listening to our music, I think you would, you would, it would get you excited. It'd make you, it's easily sung, it's easily movable, mm-hmm. it's all that kind of stuff. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of why that, that description is there. But, um, yeah, I think, yeah, one of the, one of the greatest, you know, ministries that I've, that had happened by chance was, you know, I, we, we play like secular event, let's say we're playing a pub or, yeah. playing uh, somewhere, and somebody comes up to me and says, you know, the, the age-old question, what's your real job? Because for some reason, nobody believes that anybody can be a musician full-time. Yeah. So somebody says, what's your real job? And I say, um, you know, I play music full-time, I play here, there, and, mm-hmm. and everywhere, and I also play at church. Mm-hmm. And then people say, oh, really, what, you know, what church do you play at? And I can't tell you how many times on a Sunday I see people that I met at a secular show really come check out, check out Mass. In fact, there was even a couple that were dating and then ended up deciding getting married in the church yeah. after they came to mass a couple of times. So, um, I think, yeah, it's important going back to the website thing to, uh, to draw people in. Yeah. And that's, you know, singable, danceable pop rock. That's at the very core. That's what we are. Absolutely. Go, to go back to what you said first about inviting people that we have to always be mm-hmm. invitational. I have a Salvation Army friend of mine who always says that, you know, why should the devil have all the good music? <laughs> oh, that's such a great quote. I yeah, love it that. is. It is. Now, just before you go, I wanted to ask one maybe last question. When you are doing these secular events, mm-hmm. do you, I'm not to say that you preach, but do you do you try to bring in some element of faith or evangelization into those settings, or does it depend? You know, I think yes and no. I think, uh, you know, we're called, we're called to live out our faith, um, even without words sometimes, and I think um, the joy that the gospel puts in our hearts is something that you live out, and... Mm-hmm. Um, Again, those questions I feel like come to me very often in a secular setting. When right. people ask me, they say, "So, you know, what do you what do you do?" And they're intrigued because they know that there's something more yeah. than just me playing, you know, a bunch of cover songs Absolutely. at a bar. Yeah. So, so I think to answer your question, yes, but it's it's not. But, I'm not on the microphone necessarily preaching. Absolutely. Yeah. In my actions, I I I can kind of convey that. Well, it sounds like you're doing good work, Mikey. It's been really good uh, getting to know your music and to speaking to you today. Thank you very much well, for sharing. Well, thank you, Deacon yeah. Pedro. I appreciate it. That was Mikey uh, Needleman, a conversation that we just had. You can learn more about uh, him and about his band at their website, MikeyNeedleman.com. I'm going to put that link on our site so you can find it easily in case you can't figure out how to spell Needleman. Um, here now is Mikey Needleman with uh, that song that we mentioned, Let Us Go, from his new album, Your Ways. the day you have created for me to breathe, for me to make it count. I'm giving it all back to you. If it's your plan, I will accept it, for I was made, was made for greatness now. It's all such a beautiful truth. Let us go to love and serve you
We're listening to Mikey Needleman with Let Us Go from his new album, Your Ways, published by World Library Publications. And that will take us to the end of the program. Next week, we're giving away a copy of Mikey Needleman's Your Ways. Actually, I believe that World Library Publications has offered three copies, so three winners. So go over to saltandlighttv.org slash radio and look where it says stay connected for a chance to win weekly prizes. Enter your name and email address for a chance to win. Also, you can send me a comment on our Facebook page or send me a tweet at Deacon Pedro GM, and I will personally enter you into the draw. Remember that if you ever want to find out anything about an artist or guest that you hear on this program, it's really easy to contact me via Facebook or Twitter. Just look for Deacon Pedro. And a special thanks to the Institute of Pastoral Studies at Loyola University for co-sponsoring this program. You can find out about Loyola University's graduate programs that combine Loyola's Jesuit values with the skills to use all digital platforms for evangelization at their website, luc.edu ips. That's all for today. Thank you for your support. And thank you for listening. Have a blessed Holy Week and a happy Easter. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour.